welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, this morning, we have the honor and privilege of bringing in a guest speaker from Central, uh, a friend of mine who I met when I first moved back to Portland, a very trusted voice, someone that always blows my mind. I will not even attempt to get into her story, but her story is absolutely amazing. One of my favorite staff members, though I love my staff, Jesus had his three. <laughs> She's in one of my three favorite staff members. Um, just, just how God's done a work in her. And I hope this is the first of many times she comes and preaches here. But usually the first time when someone gets up in here preach, I at least like to introduce them. Chelsea Gerlach is speaking this morning. She works out at Centro. She is uh, one of the directors of Refuge. Huge heart for, for people. I've heard her a few times. Just You can tell if somebody got speaking chops. Just Talk to them in the hallway, and if you're paying attention, you can say, this person could be a great communicator. I felt that about Chelsea. And then I heard her at a staff uh, gathering, and she, she did an excellent job. And so I said, you got to come over to Eastside and come preach one of these Sundays. I'm going to tap you. Trust me. And uh, this, this summer seemed like it made the most sense. So can we give a nice, warm Eastside welcome to Chelsea Gerlach. Good morning, Eastside. Good morning, good morning. I am, um, wow, that was quite an introduction. <laughs> I'm super grateful to be um, speaking to you today and um, also about the thing, I'm excited about the thing I'm going to talk to you about today because to me, this is central to the gospel and it is central to my own journey of following Jesus. Um, and that is um, that Jesus confronts evil by surrendering ego. And he asks us to confront evil by surrendering ego. Did you catch it? <laughs> yeah! I, I think most of you caught it. But I'm going to ask you to repeat it back to me just to make sure we catch it, because this is so countercultural. We confront evil by surrendering ego. Indeed, yes. I'm going to start at the end of chapter 8 because this little um, few verses is, um, to me, an introduction to everything that happens in chapter 9. So Eric passed this part off to me from last week. We start in um, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. First thing I want to say to you is that Jesus surrenders his ego and he asks us to do the same. Now, first I have to start with a definition. When I'm talking about ego, I'm not talking about some kind of like Freudian psychological thing. What I mean by that is that drive within ourselves to be all about ourselves, to be all about our own agenda, our own priorities, our own benefit. It is the drive towards self-preservation that can slide into selfishness. Does Jesus have an ego? Jesus is fully God and fully human. That ego, that drive for self-preservation is essential to what it means to be human. When Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness with money and power and wealth and status, he's tempting that humanity. And Jesus says no. Jesus denies that part. When he goes to the cross, he's in the garden, sweating blood, pleading with the Father, take this cup from me. Some part of him did not want to die. But your will be done. He surrenders. He denies that part of his humanity that's driving for self-preservation and lays down his life. When he asks us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him, he knows how hard that is. This is not easy. Everything in our culture says look out for number one to orient our lives towards money and security, to accumulate possessions for our comfort and status, to hold on to whatever bit of power we can get for ourselves, to carefully cultivate our image so people will like us. Certainly don't want people to think that we're like those crazy Christians that they see on the news. That's what my ego says sometimes. Instead, we're asked to deny ourselves. Eric, last week, mentioned we got to die to our desire for comfort. we got to die to our preferences for the sake of a diverse kingdom of God. There is something bigger at stake than our own personal comfort. But letting go of our desires can feel like we're losing ourselves. It can feel like death. When Jesus says, pick up our cross, the cross in the ancient world was a method of execution reserved for enemies of the empire. They were stripped naked, died a slow, painful death, and were put by the side of the road so that everyone walking by would see. This is what happens when you confront the empire. You will be defeated. 
Even the disciples, when Jesus died, think, that's it, game over. We're headed home because we've been defeated. And three days later, Jesus rises. Jesus overcomes death. The kingdom of God comes with power to overcome evil and death. When we surrender our ego, it's not weakness. It's joining the winning team. Truth wins. Love wins. Life wins. But the fear is real. I had a whole wrestle last night with stuff that was going on in my life. All these fears and doubts coming up. I had to call some people and ask them to pray for me. Some of you who are in this room. Our ego fights to save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. So I'm involved in refuge, which is healing in community through life struggles. So I have to make a couple points really clear. Dying to ourselves is not a license for abuse. Abuse is when a cross is given to us, when our lives, our well-being, our self-determination are taken from us. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. Surrender can't be forced. It is a choice motivated by love. Denying ourselves is not abuse. It is also not codependency. This is another thing. These are things I've struggled with in my own life and my own story. Codependency is when we allow our lives to be defined by the needs of others. Women and men in the church and not in the church sometimes have heard the message that our own needs don't matter. And our time and our energy is captivated by whatever other people want us to do. Jesus did not allow himself to be defined by others. He actually was constantly disappointing people. He was not the Messiah that they thought they were going to get. His identity and his purpose came from God. And we have a responsibility to discover what are the unique giftings and callings that God has given us to serve the world. That's not ego. That is obedience. I'm going to pick it up in verse 2. This is Jesus getting confirmation of his identity and purpose from God. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. 
Now, within that ancient Jewish culture, they would have understood this. This is my son whom I love. The beloved son means the Messiah. This is the person who has come to save the people. And God says, listen to him. What did he just say? He just said, deny yourselves. Pick up your cross and follow me. That is the battle plan for confronting evil. He's talking with Moses and Elijah. Moses led the people out of slavery, encountered God on a mountaintop, and was given the law. This is the guidance from God on how we care for ourselves and others. Elijah was a prophet who warned the people that if you're not following that guidance, if you're not caring for yourselves and others, there will be consequences. Both had dramatic encounters with God that changed history. Jesus is also in the midst of a dramatic encounter with God that will change history. God is doing something new. Denying ourselves, picking up our cross, this is the new way to care for ourselves and others. But it's being joined with this tradition of what God has already been doing in humanity. I love what N.T. Wright says about Jesus' transfiguration. He says, As the similar experiences of mystics in various ages and cultures would suggest, this is a sign of Jesus being entirely caught up with, bathed in the love, power, and kingdom of God so that it transforms his whole being with light. This is a mystical encounter between the transcendent realm of God and the earthly realm of the flesh. And the power of God is unleashed. When we surrender, we make room for the Spirit to fill us, to guide us, and to transform us. Transfigure means to transform into a more beautiful state. That transformation is always for the better. Second point, when we surrender our ego, the power of God is unleashed to defeat evil and death. After Jesus is bathed in the glory and power of God, he does not use that power to go conquer the world with an army at his back. That's what people wanted the Messiah to do. He goes and he heals a child. We pick it up in verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, 
Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out through prayer. There's a significance here that God just said, listen to him, and then encounters a boy who is deaf. His ability to hear has been taken from him. He's also mute. His ability to speak for himself has been taken from him. He has seizures. His freedom of movement has been taken from him. He's thrown into fire and water. It's trying to kill him. His ability to have a healthy, flourishing life has been taken from him. Now, any of these conditions could just be a disability, and there are some places in the gospel where we see healings of a physical nature. But this one is described as the work of a spirit. Now, I believe that there are forces of evil at work in the world. We see it when truth is suppressed. We see it when those without power are denied the ability to speak for themselves. We see it when innocent people are denied freedom of movement. When their ability to have a healthy, flourishing life is taken, that is the work of evil. Now, you might have in your mind some people that do some evil thing. Yeah, those people over there, that's evil. I want to suggest to you that any one of us can go down that path. When we get too wrapped up in our ego, when we get focused on ourselves, truth can be a casualty. Listening to the voice of the other can be a casualty. The health and well-being of our neighbor can be a casualty. If we go too far down that road of selfishness, we can find ourselves in the grip of evil. When we see this teaching in Matthew about denying yourself and pick up your cross, Peter's response to Jesus is, oh no, I am not down with that. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. He calls his own disciple Satan. Saint Peter who will later be a martyr. He will literally lay down his life for the gospel. In this moment, he is in the grip of ego and gives a voice to evil. 
Jesus said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Any of us can find ourselves there. So how do we surrender our ego? Through prayer and through service. Jesus commands evil to leave the child, and it does. Truth wins. Love wins. Life wins. The goodness of God is stronger than evil. Amen. But notice here that he doesn't do it alone. He wants us to allow ourselves to be drawn in to the power and goodness of God. He wants to involve us in healing the evil and selfishness of the world. Belief is not an idea that we have in our head. Belief is a relationship of trust. It's not enough to say that we believe. We need the help of Jesus to be the connecting point between the transcendent realm of God and the earthly realm of our ego. And we can invite that mystical connection through prayer. And prayer is not just when we close our eyes and talk to God. It can be that. But it can look like a lot of things. It's any time we surrender our ego and receive the power of God. We do that when we worship together. All of you surrendered your Sunday morning to come and be together as a community transformed by God. We do that when we get into the word of God, when we surrender our own ideas and instead follow the guidance of the one who created us on how to care for ourselves and others. I like to dance. I know there's a few of you that do. Sometimes for me, dance is prayer. I was on a hike yesterday, just basking in the beauty and glory of this world that God has created. That was a form of prayer. It can look like a lot of things. It's any time that we practice surrender and bring ourselves into an awareness of the presence, power, and goodness of God. And it's transformative. It changes us for the better. So why couldn't the disciples cast out the evil? I suggest to you that it's because they had not surrendered their ego. They were trying to do it on, our own, on their own. We're going to keep going at verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they didn't understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. 
sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. We didn't even go through all of them, but there are four times just in this chapter where the disciples are not getting it. But by the end of their lives, almost all of them became martyrs. Almost all of them actually, literally laid down their lives for the gospel. They were transformed. It's okay if you don't understand what all this means. Did I die to yourself? Pick up your cross? What does this mean? It's okay. It's actually not really an idea that we can understand. It doesn't make sense. It's a long process of transformation that God does in us through prayer and through service. When we serve, we surrender our ego by giving up our own agenda and our own benefit to serve others. We give up our time, our energy, our resources without expecting anything in return. He gives the example of a child who even more in the ancient society than in today, had no status at all. Children have no power, they have no wealth, they have no ability to return the favor. This is that upside-down kingdom of the gospel. Power relationships are inverted. The first will be last, the last will be first, and the greatest must be a servant to all. All means serving the powerless the children, the refugees, the addicts living in the street. But it also means serving the powerful, helping to free them from the grip of evil. That's hard. I'm going to be real honest with you. That's real hard for me. I can have a conversation with somebody living in the street, no problem. If I have to confront someone who is abusing their power to harm others, I'm going to have a problem. I don't want to love and serve that person. I told you this is countercultural. This is countercultural to the counterculture. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own story and how this has played out. I came to know Jesus while I was in prison. I went to prison for environmental activism. I was trying to save the world, but I was completely wrapped up in my own ego. I was doing it on my own, and a few of my friends. I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't have that connection to the power of goodness and life. And my actions brought destruction. There were casualties. I caused harm. And there were consequences. I went to prison for eight years. I spent three of those in a maximum security unit. I lost everything. I lost possessions. I lost relationships. I lost my identity, who I thought that I was. 
my purpose, what I thought I was doing in the world. I can say now that I'm grateful that I lost those things because I was in the grip of ego and I had the opportunity to surrender. I was emptied of some things that I was holding on to that were keeping me from experiencing the goodness of God. And I spent a lot of time with God. I had a lot of time. And it changed me. I was transformed for the better. And I'm not done. Every day, it's a choice. I ask God, what do you want me to surrender today? What's the thing that's keeping me from experiencing more of your power and goodness and love? I'm watching the clock. <laughs> How much time we got? None, he says. <laughs> no minutes. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> one more verse. I'm going to read one more verse. This, this is... Um, <laughs> Okay, this is verse 47. It's not on the screen. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. When we surrender our ego, we have to give up things that feel intimately connected to who we are. <laughs> things that maybe are not in themselves bad things. But they might be what is standing in the way of God working in more powerful ways in our lives. That might be our money. That might mean giving more of your money to the church to bring the kingdom of God to this neighborhood. Oof. <laughs> It might be your status or your power or your identity. For me, the thing that's been most difficult that I continually work on is the certainty that I am right. I want to be right all the time. The certainty that I can know what's right in and of myself. I can't. And I don't want you to hear me saying in this, not to speak truth. Yes, speak truth. Yes, stand up for change in society. Yes, work for justice. Yes, participate with God to bring the kingdom with power to confront evil in this world. But do not do it without a spirit of prayer and a heart to love and serve all. Don't be wrapped, so wrapped up in your ego like I was that truth becomes a casualty, that listening to the other side becomes a casualty. That we don't allow others to, 
the freedom to be where they're at and move at their own pace. It is not our job to condemn, but to love and to serve. What does that look like? It's going to look like something different for all of you. I'm still figuring that out for my own self, and it looks different on different days. I will tell you what it's going to look like for me this Saturday. It's going to look like Love Portland. This is an opportunity that we have to come together and serve the least of these in our city. We go to some of the most diverse and under-resourced public schools and transfigure them. We transform them into a more beautiful state. So kids can feel loved. They don't have to be in a school that's overgrown with weeds and peeling paint and broken playground equipment. We surrender our own agenda for a Saturday morning. Now, Saturday, in the summer, there's probably a lot of things that you might want to be doing. If it's 90 degrees, I would like to be at the river, not shoveling bark dust. But we make that sacrifice. We make that choice, willingly, with love. This is not a churchy obligation. Don't do it because you think you're supposed to do it. Choose to love and serve. We have the privilege of participating in the kingdom of God, coming with power to transform our city. Don't miss it. Don't miss this opportunity to be changed by God and allow God to work through you. Zero minutes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. Surrender your ego to unleash the power of God to confront evil and heal you and the world. Pray with me. God, I am grateful for Eastside Gathering. I am grateful that each of these people here surrendered their Sunday morning and came here to be transformed together. God, I ask you to meet them as they come to the table. God, meet them. Be that connection between the transcendent realm of God and the earthly realm of our ego, God. Reveal to us what you want us to surrender. Bring your power and your goodness and your life and your truth to us today, God. We trust you. We trust that you are remaking this world. Help us to lay down our lives and serve and love each other. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.